Sometimes when we are new Christians especially, we will try to hold on to unbelievers. We will try to keep that word back from them for fear we would offend them. If you are born again and have the Spirit of God in you, and you do have the Spirit of God in you if you're born again, because you're sealed with the Spirit of God. If you are with someone and the Holy Spirit brings a scripture to your attention or a concept to your attention, learn to yield to the Holy Spirit and share that scripture or concept with that person. Don't hold back. Don't try to keep the unbeliever from being offended. It's not that we want to offend them, but if the Word of God offends them, let the Word of God offend them. Let the Word of God come from you as you are reminded of the Word of God. In Second Timothy chapter 4, the Apostle Paul was instructing Timothy, the young evangelist. And the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Now, I believe that means if you're with someone and the Holy Spirit reminds you of a scripture or a concept, be instant, speak it. Paul says to Timothy, Reprove, rebuke, Exhort. Exhort means to urge earnestly by advice and warning. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. We see such an enormous falling away today where churches have fallen away from the doctrines of Christ of the New Testament Bible, from specific scriptures. They just don't mention those scriptures. They don't want to offend anyone, and also, often, They want large numbers of people to come to their churches. There was a pastor one time who told me that he and his wife, he was not a nominational pastor, he said they prayed continually for God to send the Baptists because the Baptists already knew how to give money. Money was his goal. In many churches, that is the goal of the leadership of the church, to get more money. More people usually mean more money. If you offend the people with the word of God, they usually leave you. They either repent or leave you, one or the other. And they don't want them to leave. They don't want the unbelievers to leave. They want the big crowds and they want the money. Therefore, many of the doctrines of Christ are removed from today's churches. Paul said, in the end times, except there be a falling away, he said, it had to come before Jesus returned. The falling away had to come before Jesus returned. We'll read that in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 
We'll start at verse 3, 3 and 4. Let no man deceive you by any means, says Paul. For that day of the Lord shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. In the New International Version and some of the other versions, I think the NASB, they call this falling away the apostasy. The apostasy comes into the church in the last days. So Paul says it had to come. It has to come. It has come. We're seeing it in abundance today in the Protestant churches, and the Catholics haven't even been close to being set up by the Bible. The few times the Catholics did have it right, they changed from the doctrine, sadly. Second Thessalonians 2, verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there shall come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. It was going to come through the churches. For centuries, church people have been taught that Antichrist would come through governments of men. That's not where he comes from. He comes through the churches. Concerning this scripture and this falling away, in 1982, God said to me, the falling away are not people leaving the church groups. The falling away are the churches leaving the scriptures. The minute the scriptures are removed, that allows Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, the man who is opposed to the word of God, to Jesus Christ, it allows him to come into that church group. So, Paul says, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day of the Lord shall not come. Jesus will not return until there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. He rules over the scriptures. He omits the scriptures that offend people and sets up his own doctrine in the churches, which is a doctrine contrary to scriptures, such as Matthew five thirty-two. Jesus says, Whosoever marries her that is divorced committeth adultery. The man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. I have never heard that taught at a church group. I was born again in 1975 and began going to church. I've never heard anyone ever speak this in a church group. Jesus says, Whosoever marrieth her that is divorced committeth adultery. Matthew 5.32, why is that not taught in a church group? Why is it not mentioned? Why, why are the men not warned? 
by the word of God. Often the pastors themselves don't know the Bible. And many times they turn from the scripture because it doesn't even make sense to them for they are not born again. Many pastors are not born again. They put them into the pulpit by going to Bible college or seminaries and being called reverend, but they do not have the Spirit of God. We read that in Jude. He warns us in the last days this will happen. And many in the congregations are not born again, so the, it's unreasonable to them. The scriptures are unreasonable when a person is not born again. For being born again means you have the Spirit of God living in you to guide you. Well, when the Spirit of God lives in you, you agree with Scripture. So in Jude, let's read that. In verse 3, Jude says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. They deny the scriptures. Jesus is the word of God. So when they deny the word of God, they deny the scriptures, though they say Jesus is Lord. He's not their Lord because the scriptures don't rule over them. They are ruling over the scriptures by removing the scriptures from the congregation and speaking other doctrines. But we all have Bibles, and if you have the Holy Spirit, you will see these men who are the deceivers who are in the pulpit, you will see them and you will not sit there and listen to them for you know what they're saying is contrary to Bible. So you'll get up and leave them. In verse 17 of Jude, he goes on to say, But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. They do not have the Spirit of God. They put themselves into the ministry by going to Bible college or seminaries. And they call themselves reverend. No man in the Bible ever called himself reverend. But they do. They exalt themselves above all that is of God, that is godly. And they speak opposite to the word of God and do opposite to the word of God. This is the end time. It's the apostasy in the churches that had to come before Jesus returns to take the faithful into the new heaven and the new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. In approximately 2016, the Holy Spirit said to me, the restraint. I knew that was in the NASB in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I went back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 
and began reading, starting at about verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, says Paul. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is removed. And I said to God, who is it that restrains Antichrist? Who is it that keeps Antichrist out of the church? And I heard immediately, the scriptures, Jesus, who is the word. As soon as the word is hidden and kept back from the congregation or is twisted into another doctrine, Antichrist moves in. He, Jesus, who now restrains, will do so until he, the word, is removed. Then that lawless one will be revealed, for he'll surface immediately as soon as the word is removed. Paul once said to the elders at Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, I know that after my departing, grievous wolves will enter in, not sparing the flock. And from some of you, even the elders, there will be men arise to speak perverse things, to draw away disciples after themselves. That's in Acts 20. Returning to the NASB, starting at verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, says Paul. They're already in the churches. They were in the churches. Antichrist was in the churches in the days of the Apostle John and Paul. John said in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, Little children, I know you've heard of Antichrist. There are already many Antichrists. They came among us in the church, but they weren't of us. At that time, the church was holding fast to sound doctrine, to the doctrines of Christ, and these Antichrist people did not have opportunity to take over the church, so they left. He said they went out from us so we would know they were not all of us. Well, they went out and formed denominations and drew men to themselves and preached things that were totally opposite to Scripture or things that they just made up out of their own minds and caused people to trust in things such as lighting of candles to get their prayers answered. Nonsense! There's no such thing in the Bible as lighting of candles to get your prayer answered. If you are going according to the will of God and you pray, your prayer will be answered. If you have not been able to get your prayer answered, look at that point. Perhaps you're not going according to the will of God on the subject, that it's not God's will for you to do this. We read that in 1 John chapter 5, that if we pray according to the will of God, our prayer will be answered. Back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. He who now restrains, which is Jesus the Word, We'll do so until he's removed. The minute you remove the word from the church, Antichrist moves in. Then that lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will eliminate with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. If we return to the King James Version, we see the fate for the people in these apostate churches. For not 
only the ministers will be destroyed upon the coming of Jesus, but the congregations in those apostate churches will also be destroyed. In the King James Version, it says, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness, in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. They love their churches, but they don't love the word of God. They love the building. They love the choirs. They love the pomp, the circumstance, the rituals. But they don't love the word of God. These are those people who are in churches, but not born of the Spirit of God. For if you are born of the Spirit of God, you have God in you, and you're going to go in the way of God. But so many people in churches today are not born again. They do not have the Spirit of God in them. They do not hear from God, and they do not follow God. But Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. They're not of his sheep. That's the reason they can't hear. So, in verse 10 of Second Thessalonians 2, Paul says, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. These are people in churches. They are not the church, but they're in churches. They put themselves into churches by their own will and by doing the things, the rituals that the church told them to do. But they are not born again of the Spirit of God. For if they were born again of the Spirit of God, they would not put up with false doctrine. Everybody has a New Testament Bible. We can read the New Testament Bible and it shows us the will of God and the way of God. So when it is not followed, this is Antichrist, apostasy. There is an Old Testament passage of Scripture which applies to us today. There are many Old Testament passages of Scripture which apply to us today, I should say. One of those is in Numbers 33. And the Lord spake unto Moses in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye are passed over Jordan into the land of Canaan, the promised land, then ye shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you, and destroy all their pictures, and destroy all their molten images, and quite pluck down all their high places, which were places where they worshipped false gods. But if ye will not drive out the inhabitants of the land before you, then it shall come to pass that those which ye let remain of them shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and shall vex you in the land wherein ye dwell. We are Christians, born-again Christians. 
People come among us that do not hold to the doctrines of Christ. If you wish those people well, when they do not hold to the doctrines of Christ, the Apostle John said, to wish them well is to become a partaker of their evil deeds. I'm very careful about wishing anybody well because I, for the most part, don't know what they're going to go out and do. I would wish Pam Paget well. I know she has the Spirit of God. I see her follow God. I know she does. So I wouldn't hesitate to wish Pam well. But to wish someone else well, even in a church, I wouldn't do it because I have to first see that that person is following the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. So many people in the singles class are, it's terrible what's going on. Absolutely horrible, I know, because I was in the singles classes in the 1980s, and I saw what they were doing. People who say they're godly, people who attend church, one man even told me he was a prophet. He and I went to a church service at that time. We came back to my apartment, and I asked him would he like some coffee, and he said he would. So I was in the kitchen making coffee, When I had the coffee pot ready, plugged it into the wall, came out, this man was standing there in my living room, totally naked. I grabbed my car keys and fled the apartment, just leaving the apartment unlocked. I got in the car and drove away until I saw his car was gone. Then I went back into my apartment and locked the door. This is a man that called himself a prophet. Sadly, another man who was our Bible teacher was committing fornication at the time he was teaching us Bible. When I heard about him having a girlfriend, he was a divorced man and was not married. When I heard about his girlfriend, I went to him and I said, what is this about a girlfriend? Do you have a girlfriend? He said, yes. He tried to be very evasive about this woman. I point blank said to him, are you having sexual intercourse with this woman? He said, of course. I said, oh, you know the Bible as well as I do. I can't have anything to do with you. I can't come to your Bible class. I can't even communicate with you. He said, That's right. He didn't care. He just didn't care. It was heartbreaking. I was going by 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul says, I've written unto you not to keep company if anyone who's called a brother is a fornicator or covetous or an extortioner or an idolater or a drunkard. Put them away from you. Don't even eat with them. 1 Corinthians 5. He knew that scripture as well as I did, but he was out there committing fornication, picking up women at bars, and he didn't care. I'm sure he would rather I not have known that about him, but basically he told me he agreed I couldn't have anything to do with him anymore. So don't tell me these evils are not going on in the church. The singles classes are set up pretty much so they can find a Christian husband or a Christian wife. 
So many of the women in the single classes are divorced and looking for another husband, which is adultery according to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. What Paul says is a commandment of the Lord in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. What Paul says in Romans chapter 7 verses 1 through 3. And what Jesus says in Mark 10. And yet they're right there in those churches committing adultery with often the marriage taking place right there in front of the whole congregation and the congregation approving it. My cousin, who didn't attend any church, told me this story. Her neighbors were having a barbecue, and they invited her to the barbecue. So she went to the barbecue, and she wore blue jeans, as you might expect to do, going to a barbecue. When she got there, she found it was a wedding. The neighbors were marrying each other, two men marrying each other. My cousin said, I was so embarrassed at the way I was dressed. I said, I wouldn't have been embarrassed. The minute I saw what it was, I would have fled that house. Romans chapter 1, verse 26. For this cause God gave them over to vile affections. For the women had sex with each other. The men were having sex with each other. Men lusting after men, women lusting after women, totally going against nature. You can read about this. It's Romans chapter 1, verses 26, 27, and 28. God calls it vile affections. We don't live this way. We tell them the truth when the door opens. If the subject comes up, we tell them the truth. And if the unbeliever depart, let him depart. Don't try to hold on to him. I've seen several people saved in my lifetime because I did speak the truth. I didn't withhold the truth. And when they heard the truth, they ended up agreeing with the truth, agreeing with the Bible. My own mother was that way. She'd followed horoscopes all her life. After I was born again, I went to visit her. I opened the cabinet door and I saw some horoscope mugs standing there, mugs with zodiac images on them. I had given those to my mother before I was born again because she liked horoscopes and I wanted to please her. But when I saw them after I was born again, I took a garbage bag I began filling it with the horoscope mugs and my mother was watching me. And when she realized what I was about to do, she said, Stop, wait, what are you doing? I want to keep those. You gave those to me. I didn't say one word to her. I just filled the garbage bag, went out to the alley where there's a metal dumpster, broke the mugs against the dumpster, threw them into the dumpster, went back into the house, opened the Bible, and read aloud to her, Deuteronomy chapter 18, starting at verse 9. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. 
There shall not be found among you any that maketh his son or daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord, and because of these abominations the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee, thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. And I closed the Bible. My mother sat there for a few seconds, thinking about what I just read. And then she said, Well, I guess we'd better not do that anymore. She agreed with the Bible, with the truth of God, and was born again at that second. I went back to Dallas, where I lived at the time. My uncle wrote to me, and he said, Your mother has changed. She's really changed. Well, yes, that's what being born again is. God changes us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Instantly, we are changed by God. It's not a matter that we learn and then are changed. It is the Spirit of God is there at that second to do the work of God, and they are changed instantly and changed by God. That's being born again. You're not the same person that you were before. Now you have the Holy Spirit in you, and you are godly, because God is in you. So if someone comes to us, to our house, or we meet them somewhere, what we learn to do is speak by the Holy Spirit instantly. We're instant, in season, out of season. The Holy Spirit brings the scripture to our mind, we tell them that. The Holy Spirit brings something else to our mind, a concept, we tell them that. We learn to yield to the Holy Spirit and speak the truth. Some will agree with the truth and be born again. Some will depart from us. If they depart, let them depart. Second Corinthians chapter 6, Be not ye unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? Go into your room tonight. Turn on the light and see what happens to the darkness. It disappears or flees from you. Verse 15, What concord hath Christ with devils, with Belial? What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Even if the infidel's at your church group, you either believe or you don't believe. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, for God lives in you. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean, and I will receive you and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Second John 
verses 8 through 11. Look to yourselves, that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. He that lives in the doctrine of Christ, doing the scriptures. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. So you want to be friends of the world? You want to keep everybody liking you? James said this, James 4, 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now, a friend is someone who supports you. So if you're going to go out there and support someone in the world who's committing adultery or fornication or who are homosexuals or lesbians, you're going to be an enemy of God. You can't be both. You either cling to God and speak the truth when the door opens and the Holy Spirit brings it to your mind, or you keep silent and approve them by your silence. You can't do both. Before people come to my house, I usually pray for God to have me speak what he wants me to speak. I moved to Colorado in the year 2019. Pam Paget, who is a member of the body of Christ and genuinely has the Holy Spirit in her and follows God, she had a neighbor two doors down from her house. And the neighbor came to Pam's house after I moved there, and she tried to find out what I thought about homosexuals and lesbians. She did it in such a crooked, twisted way, however, that I didn't recognize at the time that was her goal and her motive. But later she showed it was truly her goal. She wanted to know if I approved homosexuals and lesbians. And finally it came out. And she said, does this mean you approve homosexuals and lesbians? And I said, no, I don't think so. I was so shocked. Two days later, I wrote her and gave her the scriptures on the subject of homosexuals and lesbians, going all the way back to Genesis 13, where Lot chose to live in Sodom. And it said the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked above in the face of the Lord. Later, we know that God sent two angels to Sodom to destroy Sodom after they removed Lot out of Sodom. At that time, in the city of Sodom, in every quarter of the city, there were homosexuals. And these homosexuals came out to have sex with these two angels that had come to basically destroy them. See, angels don't have wings. When you see movies so often, you see angels with wings. Just the other night, I was watching a movie on the Tower of London, and they showed one room that they were just crazy about, 
and they were showing the paintings on the wall, and here was an angel, and it had wings, and I just thought, nonsense, nonsense. The Bible shows us in both the Old and New Testament that angels don't have wings. They look like natural men. There's one point where we're warned in the New Testament, be not hesitant to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some of you have entertained angels unawares. Angels look just like natural men. So when they came to Sodom, Lot was at the gate of Sodom, and he tried to get them to come into his house and spend the night, because Lot knew the wickedness of the city. But the angel said, no, we'll stay in the streets all night. But Lot insisted that they come into his house. So they did. All the men of Sodom from every quarter came to Lot's house, knocked on the door and told Lot, where are the men that came to you tonight? Bring them out that we may know them, have sex with them. Lot said, oh, my brothers, do not so wickedly. He knew it was wicked. Lot knew it was wicked that he was living right there in the middle of them. Well, God sent those two angels to get Lot out of Sodom before he destroyed Sodom. I sent her these scriptures. I sent her Romans chapter 1, where it says God turned them over to vile affections, for the women were going against nature and trying to have sex with other women, and the men were lusting after other men. Vile affections. So I told her these things. That was, I don't know, a few months ago. We've, I've heard no word at all from her since then. If the unbeliever depart, let him depart. What fellowship can you possibly have with darkness? Let them come to the truth of God or leave you. I once told my mother, I said, now you can go down, but I'm not going to go with you. And she said, oh, I don't want you to go down. Well, she straightened up. Truth has an enormous power when you're speaking by the Holy Spirit at that moment, reminding you of a scripture or a concept. There's power to save at that moment. If you speak, we learn to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit and speak that which he brings to our mind when we're with other people and don't hold back. And if the unbeliever depart, let him depart. The only thing that matters is yielding to the Holy Spirit, following God by His Spirit. And when we do that and keep doing that to the end and endure to the end, Jesus says we will be saved. He said many will fall away. The love of many will wax cold in the end days, Jesus says in Matthew 24. Because iniquity abounds, the love of many will wax cold. They will fall away from the truth. They will compromise the truth. They will hold back the truth. And the truth will vanish from them. But he who endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Cling to the scriptures. Keep them before you. Even in the midst of this wicked world, as we see it today, as the wickedness increases before the end time, it will increase before the end time. Revelation 12 
There's a scripture where it says the devil knows his time is short and he's exceedingly fierce in the last days. But he who endures to the end, holding on to the concepts of God, the doctrines of God, the New Testament Bible, the things of God, he who endures to the end, the same shall be saved. So speak the truth, be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come they will not put up with sound doctrine. They will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they will turn from the truth. That's just what will happen. That's what we read in the Bible. Paul says, Second Timothy chapter 3, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, but continue thou in the scriptures knowing of whom you have learned, that it is God who has taught you. Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.